Hey all, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank and I'm joined by Jonathan. Well, hello. And today we're going to be talking about Cowboy Bebop, The Last of Us, Destiny, Pink Ranger, and so much more. But first, Jonathan, we got a real broad one for you. Mm-hmm. What is the best sci-fi movie? And I want to ask you, what makes the movie the best movie? Yeah, so that is that is an impossible question. <laughs> I, I, I don't. <laughs> there's no way to answer that effectively. You got to break it down into uh, more narrow categories because there's there's so much in sci-fi that you'd be pitting, you know, totally different movies against each other. Uh, but I have a list of just yeah. a few that I think are, yeah, okay, considerable. More recently. Uh, Ready Player One was a really great sci-fi movie. I love it. Um, the Avatar movie with the blue people, not Avatar Last Airbender, but the yeah, good Avatar one. movie. Won all kinds of awards, huge. And you know, all the Star Wars and Star Trek movies, I mean, those are obviously huge sci-fi movies. Um, but what makes a sci-fi movie, I think, to me in most cases, is the world that it's built in. Being yeah. able to just take you out of where you are and put you in a, another world that, that you can believe that has to be written with some kind of um like a not a science but the logic that makes sense that we could comprehend it not so outrageous that it's just completely not feasible yeah uh, but yeah a believable world that you know, you want to see a utopia or even if it's a dystopia just destroyed future but something that that you can imagine being happy in and then you you kind of live the life through the characters in the story yeah, I, I would see say a sci-fi film is something that has a a future. So I think it has to be something set in the future. Even something like Star Wars, which is supposed to not be in the future, we all know, you know, it's actually a mm. futuristic kind of movie. Um and one that builds a world that is it builds a world, especially a good one, is something that's believable. So mm. you don't have to I've always thought like, you know, like Star Wars does a pretty good job with that. Where and Star Trek actually goes one layer deeper, but for a good sci-fi movie, you need to explain like one layer of what your technology does and then the layer right below that, but you don't have to go any farther than that. Like for a yeah. lightsaber. What is a lightsaber? It's a magic, it's, it's, a, it's an electric sword or whatever. Uh, and then, okay, one layer below that, it's a laser. Okay, well, mm-hmm. you don't have to explain why the laser stops or anything like that. You just have to have something that makes sense. Yeah. You know, TIE fighters, they use ion engines, don't have to go any farther than that. Yeah. And so, lo- you know, that to me is perfect. As long as your rules are consistent with themselves as well. You can break yeah. your rules at some point, but you have to explain why in this situation exactly. we're allowed to break these rules. But when you just kind of blatantly break them, then it's like, okay, so there was no boundaries to start with and your stuff's all fake. Okay, cool. <laughs> and many of the uh, best sci-fi films purposely have somebody that is meant to break the rules. Like yeah. Jedi's break the rules of their world around them. And that's why we're rooting for them is because they break those rules. And, so, and, and the Sith do as well in an opposite mm-hmm. direction. Now, my best sci-fi film, I think the best sci-fi film ever made is WALL-E. This movie uh, shows a really? wonderful... <laughs> yeah. So I love Wall-E, but I'm surprised that's your your best sci-fi movie ever made. Yes. Uh, first off, it's a future. It's I think a very, very possible future for us. Mm. Um, and I think not, you know you have a character that again breaks the rules, and so like a Jedi almost. You know, I think Wall-E himself is a little bit of a Jedi. Uh, he he enters into this world and he shows them how to break norms. He frees his people, which are the robots, out of their programming, and he also shows he leads um a population to yes hard work but a better life when they return to earth mm-hmm. and so i think wally in general is just the best sci-fi film it has the grandeur of, of the future um it's all science based like fantasy is magic based a lot of times while there there is a good mix of the two we've seen in shows like arcane um mm-hmm. i just thought that to me like wally is for sure and then we've had a couple people vote in on this too by the way guys we're gonna try to put the questions on twitter Gorilla Brain said that Aliens, so not Alien, but Aliens, the sequel to Alien, uh, is the best sci-fi movie ever. And that is, boy, that is a good movie. It's got like horror and action and Sigourney Weaver. It's really good. Ninja Buzz, which is actually some sponsors of ours, they said Dune. They think Mm. Dune is the best sci-fi movie. What do you think? Dune is the best or is it up there? No. I mean, it was was pretty good, but like, maybe I should never have read the book. Maybe I wouldn't care about Maybe I would like the movie better if we didn't. Uh, yeah, no doubt you would have. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's actually, the funny thing about Dune is, I think it's one of those few things that kind of almost is a sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. Because it blends in a little bit of that mysticism that, uh, I mean, just captures the imagination, really. Yeah. Because of Paul's abilities and, and Jessica's abilities. 
And if they do a good job, the sequel could be like the best sci-fi movie ever because the sequel really will get into the meat and potatoes. Yeah. But they they have to really nail it and they just got to get inside their heads. I don't that ruined it that they didn't get inside their heads. I can't but, imagine how they can do that. I mean, it's just so impossible to show the thought process. Well, yes, the thought process in Dune is its best part. Sherlock Holmes, I'm telling you. <laughs> nail it. Yeah, just do that. Right. Do that with a little techie, you know, glitchy sound in the background or something like that. And you got future. So let us know what you guys think is your best sci-fi film. Again, I'm, I'm sticking up for Wally. <laughs> nice. All right, moving on. Uh, by the way, this episode is brought to you by our patrons. If you guys want to join our Patreon, follow the link in the description. We have exclusive podcasts over there and a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, due to Kevin's suggestion, we're also releasing the scripts from Trek Freaks. Uh, we can release some of the scripts from this uh, show as well, if you guys would like. First bit of news. Cowboy Bebop has been canceled already, to a great surprise of many of the fans. The reason it was canceled, it was a very interesting situation. So, it has a lot of support, and the supporters are very vocal about their support. But yet, when you actually look at the scores for it, like the, the critics scored it at a 40, 46% on Rotten Tomato, and the fans were like a 54%. It was pretty low as well. But it seems like just the, the people that did like it were super excited about it, and were talking a lot about it on social media. But mm. I think Netflix saw through that. What do you think about Netflix canceling a show after one season that has some very loyal fans like this? So, the, I think the problem is, like you're saying, they have loyal fans, but they're not turning up to watch it. They're not getting the, the clicks that they well, expect. They, the problem is, well, they are watching it, right? That's why they're the fans of it, because they watched it and they're fans of it. But it seems like they're just like, well, you know, it's expensive to make, and because it didn't hit the right reviews, we're not going to give it a chance to really develop into anything new, which feels like, I don't know, feels like Netflix of old wouldn't do that. But it's something yeah. new, new Netflix does. So I haven't watched this yet, but to me, just from the outside looking in, it sounds like it might be like the Avatar movie situation where there's huge Avatar fans. They can't wait for the movie yeah. to be produced. And then M. Night kind of messes it up and everyone watches it and like, oh man, Avatar. Oh wait, that, that was garbage. And so the people that are fans of the show, I think were probably still trying to prop it up, or fans of the, the anime, mm -hmm. uh, still trying to prop it up. But then... You know, it's it's just not as good as they expected, but I don't know. I also haven't seen it at all yet, so it might be amazing. Though, regardless, I think this will get picked up by somebody else. If if Netflix really does want to drop it and, and willing to let it go, somebody's yeah. going to buy it and run with it. It was an expensive uh, project, for sure. They, they, you could tell by the CGI and stuff like that, they did a really good job with that. Um, I do I do hope it gets picked up by either Hulu or Paramount Plus or maybe even mm -hmm. HBO. Uh, yeah, it was one of those things where it's like back in the day, like BoJack Horseman, for example, when it got its first season, it did not do well. But it's like, okay, let's give it a shot. Let's see how it does. And then it became one of their most biggest critical successes they've ever had. And yeah. so it's like, if you guys gave this a chance, you'd be okay. But, but, there, but I feel like Netflix is starting to fall in line with like what NBC or CBS would do, where they're like, well, it didn't get good ratings or it, you know, not enough people watched it. So let's just cancel it now. Uh, yeah. Just because we'll save money on the long run. It's like, yeah, but you don't get those iconic Netflix series doing that like you did yeah. back in the day. So many other shows, like like if you even look at like Hulu, um, I, I, God, I can't think of the name of it, but Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale, the first season, was a, you know a bit of a flash, flash in the pan, but really didn't have any substance in viewership. But it was as the word got out and it mm. had a chance to develop, it got big. And I feel like Netflix is missing an opportunity with this show. I think fans were out there for it. I'm just really surprised that, you know, it just didn't have quite the, re the critical reviews. Yeah. Which is odd. And I don't like to see that they, that they, they flip-flop so easily that they'll invest the money into a, a season, just one season, and get people, a lot of people excited about the show. And then, oh, yeah, it wasn't profitable enough for us, so we're just going to cut it off. To me, that's just, it's disappointing to the fans. Yeah. So I was just thinking, what if they were to do something? I mean, I want them to commit. You're either all in or you're not. You're going to finish the story that was written for this, you know, this story, or you're not going to produce it at all. Right. So what if they were to have a separate channel or something like that, or a website you can go to where you can watch uh, pilots that they're, they're questioning or considering and then vote. And so the fans could actually vote if they want a Cowboy Bebop show to be made or not. And then if it gets enough votes, then I mean, it'd be kind of the filtering process that they do now when they release the first season, but do it before you even produce anything. And then once that show gets the green light, 
you're not you're not making one season. You got you know whatever story is written five seasons worth of the show. All right, you're you're working on from beginning to end, and you release them gradually. But now you know you have a committed fan base to a certain point based on your pilot. Yeah. It's tricky because I, I I like that idea, but what if we did it also like at the end of a season? It asked you to vote on the actual app. Like well, you're watching Netflix, you finish yeah. the first season, and then it's just like thumbs up or thumbs down, and then it calculates off of that. But there's also mm. the idea of like, well, did you click on it at all? You know, and I think yeah. like like we talked about Arcane for a second there earlier. Arcane's one of those shows that when people see it, I haven't heard of anybody not liking it. And I've mm-hmm. heard a lot of people that are now League of Legends fans because of it. But are you likely to watch a cartoon? Like I was, I was, I can't imagine like our parents watching Arcane. And yet it's like, man, they would love that story. It's a really good story. But it's not like they're gonna be like, hey, let's watch this cartoon real quick. You know, it's just not gonna ring, ring to them. So yeah. I'm sure there's all kinds of aspects to it. When you see Cowboy Bebop from an outside perspective, it's a space thing and, you know, it's, it's all kinds of different, they're mercenaries from the future. Um, there is some stuff there, but I don't know. I just wish they would give this show a second chance and actually let their shows breathe. I feel like Netflix is losing their way so hard right now. Yeah, because they're, they're trying to go too fast. If it's not money, they yeah. just dump it and run on to the next thing, which is means they probably have a lot of things in the hopper. They got a lot of oh, ideas and suggestions, but... Yeah, if you're going to find the next Game of Thrones or something real big that people just can't wait to watch, you have to give people a chance to see it. If you if if you want to see traction on a new show, advertise for it. I didn't see anything about Cowboy Bebop until I heard people saying it's on, you know. If yeah, you're that's not, you're generally not, not Netflix's MO, it's advertise. Yeah. They usually try to just like use their own in-house algorithm to push something so that when yeah. you're on Netflix you'll see it a lot, but otherwise you won't see it on other things. But yeah. yeah. But yeah. I know Hulu and Amazon Prime specifically advertise everywhere. So, yeah. you know, it's different, different for different uh, companies. All right. Moving on to the next thing here. Nick Offerman has joined the Last of Us series. Uh, he's going to be playing Bill. This show, my God, I was watching behind <laughs> the scenes of them filming this thing. They have basically almost bought a town and just like, hey, we're going to make this look like it belongs in the Last of Us, which, you know, for the outside people, it's kind of like it belongs in the Walking Dead kind of thing like that. This entire town, they've like changed the name of the stores and stuff like that to match the video game. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff. We have the two main characters, of course, are Pedro Pascal, so the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. the Red Viper. Yeah. He's the main character in this. He's playing Joel. And then Ellie is played by Bella Ramsey, so that's the little bear, little Mormont from Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, I'm just so freaking in on this. I really, <laughs> And I haven't like actually sat down and played all the games, so I, I might... We might do a level up on these right before the shows come out. <laughs> that that might be so cool. What do you be, think about Nick you, Offerman getting a new acting gig? Oh, he's I love everything he's in. He's yeah. I mean, Parks and Rec was great, but just everything he's in is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, do do we have an idea when this is going to come out though? Do you know? Well, it's funny cuz I would assume earlier than later because they they showed some images from uh completed production and mm. uh the behind the scenes was like this is what we did with the town. Okay, now we're done. Uh, okay. But Nick Offerman my- joining the cast means like they're shooting still. So I don't know necessarily when this is going to be done. I-, I would predict late 2022. Okay. I'm thinking that'd be nice if it was like, hey, this stuff is almost done and we're going to release it, you know, in the spring or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but Nick Offerman is joining because he's a new character they're revealing at the end of the season that we're just wrapping up and he's going to be big in the second season, which we're starting to film right now or something yeah. like that. Bill that'd in general is cool. not a huge character. But uh, okay. But you know he's he he's good to have to the cast. It's all about Joel and Ellie, really. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's I could see him as just uh, I can't wait to see him in this world. He's actually in Deadwood for a bit. If you guys want to see some of his earliest work, he's in Deadwood. All right, we're moving on to the next thing here. Destiny is adding Halo weapons for the thirtieth anniversary. So Destiny is made by Bungie. Bungie made the first Halo games, made the first three Halo games, and mm-hmm. so they're adding their own version of Halo weapons. They don't want to step on anybody's toes, right? Copyright wise. But, like, mm-hmm. it's clearly, that's the battle rifle, that's the energy sword, and the energy sword's, like, half of it is straight up the Halo energy sword, while the other half looks like a sword you'd expect from Destiny, yeah. and so it's pretty cool. It's all kinds of these things. They're also adding a lot of uh, weapons from the first game, uh, mm-hmm. which were, were iconic weapons from Destiny 1, and so, anyways, this big patch is coming out on, in February to celebrate the 30th anniversary. Uh, Jonathan, have you ever tried Destiny before? I don't think so. Now that I've... Yeah, I don't, I'm pretty sure I haven't played it before. Yeah, it's a, it's an MMO, which I know that's kind of off-putting for a lot of people, but it's a Halo, it's very Halo-esque. It's in space, yeah. 
The story is convoluted, but very good. It's one of those games where it has a good story within itself, but if you wanted to like read all the books and stuff like that in the game, oh my god, it has like this huge Lord of the Rings style story actually around it. Oh. Yeah, and it's very cool. And it, it boils down to three different classes. One that's like the, the big brute machine gun. One that's kind of the rogue, uses swords in and uh, sniper rifles and stuff like that, and then one that's kind of a magic user class. But it's all mm. in... Now imagine those all those three classes in Halo uniforms. Uh, yeah. And so it's very cool. I would suggest you give it a shot. Um, but it's been very good. Yeah. Nice. Alright, moving on to our next thing here. Uh, Pink Ranger is making her own comic book. If you guys aren't familiar with this yet, Power Rangers are still making comic books. And not only that, they're making badass comic books. They're some <laughs> of the best stuff ever. Boom Studios is producing their comic line right now. And it's very well done. They've been bringing in new artists and artists that do really unique artists. They'll bring in anime artists and stuff like that to do their comic books sometimes. This is like a guest art artist and they do great. So Amy Jo Johnson, who played Kim from the original squad, is writing a new book for Boom. And it'll reunite the original team in their 40s to take care of something that happened. How do you think this is going to look? Yeah. Well, when I heard about this, uh, this sounds cool to me. It sounds, you know, kind of funny, but exciting. If they come back to TV, you don't want to make this like a, a little kid's show again for like the five to 10 year olds, which, you know, we liked when we were little kids. But if they were to write a Power Ranger series that was more for the teens and young adults, where it's kind of more like a cop drama, kind of Guardians of the Galaxy kind of, you know, space drama, but with the Power Rangers, the only caveat is I think they'd have to have uh, like animated suits, but use, you know, like stark tech nanobot kind of suits that that form over your body or something like that right, and they could yeah. they could look cooler and i think it'd be really cool to make a a young adult series of power rangers i like the idea of them being in their 40s because then you have like hey i've got a family you know and i'm like yeah. at work right now or something like that and then having yeah. to find a time to go like fight you know goldstein or whatever his name was and goldar goldar thank you yeah. and stuff like that and um yeah, I'm trying to remember all the names. God, there's so many crazy names. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that would be kind of cool to see like how that works with everybody's relationships yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, and to make it older, it'd be funny because it's, you know, you could put in some of that Rick and Morty kind of humor or, you know, the uh, Thor from Guardian from, uh, not Guardians, Thor from MCU, like his yeah. later humor. That'd be funny and fit well with these kind of characters. Yeah. And it, and it but, would have very easy moments where it's kind of grounded. Because a lot of times in a Power Rangers thing, like the grounded emotional parts are like about teen drama, which I'm so over. Yeah. But actually have things where it's like, yeah, I'm going through divorce right now. I, I can't go fight something. I have to go take care of this. Like my kid needs yeah. me to pick him up. And we or, have to show support right now. <laughs> I'm going through a divorce. It's extra difficult. So I, I need to, you know, burn up some steam. So let's go fight this guy, even though. Yeah. And, and walking that edgy line that Batman does all the time between how you stop a villain versus killing a villain. And, yes. you know, who's, who's the guy that's going a little bit too far in that? And he actually needs some, you know, mental health support or something like that. That'd yeah. be, those are topics that'd be cool to explore oh, in, in Power Rangers. So, I, I like that she's making a comic book. That is awesome. Hopefully, this kind of reinvigorates, you know, Power Rangers a little more and builds into us seeing more in the future. Power Rangers, I will say, is, I think, it, I hope it brings in fans of the old series that don't know about the comic books. Because yeah. the Power Ranger comic books are doing very well right now. And so I hope people do check those out from Boom Studios. Some would say even better than Marvel and DC in a lot of ways. I'm reading Thor right now, so I can't say that because I'm I'm so in love with Thor. I've been reading rereading <laughs> the old run while I'm on the treadmill every morning now, and I'm just nice. refalling in love with it. But anyways, yeah, it that's a, man. Now I'm thinking of like you can imagine like say the the Black Ranger feels like he's you know getting stepped on at work and his bosses are mistreating him. He's like, oh, so frustrating. So then he goes and he takes it out on on some. <laughs> One of those clay guys that they always fight, and then he and yeah. like he saves his boss who was at a restaurant, and then finally mm -hmm. the boss will respect him. Oh man, so, maybe yeah. we should write something too, <laughs> right? Uh, we could change the names. It doesn't have to be Power Rangers. It could be yeah, yeah, Super Rangers or something else. <laughs> Boy, that that reminds me like when you go to like a flea market and pick up Power Ranger action figures, oh, and they're not yeah. quite the right color. Like, oh, they're right. not stars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you do you know who owns Power Rangers? Uh, I think it's God. It's one of the toy companies that owns Power Rangers now. I know Saban oh, okay. puts his name on it all the time too, but hmm. I think it's I think at this point it's like Mattel or something like that, you know. Okay. Same thing with Transformers, but Transformers is owned by a toy company as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right, uh, Shang Chi fans rejoice. We have uh, season two has been season two. Ep uh, the second movie 
has been greenlit, so it is in production. They're going to be using the same director, Dustin Daniel Cretton, who I think killed it in that first movie. I mean, people oh, are finally yeah. starting to that see this good. now that it's on Disney Plus for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to see out of the second season or second movie? I want to see more of that fun kind of buddy cop dynamic he has with the, Hell I don't yeah. remember her name, the, yeah. the main Aquafina. female actress. Yeah, Aquafina. Because um, that was a fun dynamic they had for sure. They did, yeah. But yeah, story-wise, I have no idea. I mean, I know they, there's Shang-Chi comics already, so they'll probably just base it off one of their well-known stories, but uh, That's the I don't thing. know what he, They can't he, because they changed shang So Shang-Chi in the movie, they used almost only his name because they had yeah. to make an entirely new superhero. So one thing I think Shang-Chi's not getting credit for is it's like the first truly MCU hero that was made up in the MCU that's uh, like not really from the comic books. Because okay, his power awesome. in the comics is that he's good at kung fu, and I mean like some minor stuff, but nothing. The rings, like oh, the that's rings all are new? actually, yeah, the rings are actually rings on the finger, like actual rings oh. that give you like strength. Blah blah blah. Yeah. blah. And Shang Chi doesn't wear them; yeah. the villain only wears them. So this whole like moving rings around him that he gets now that are almost like Avatar kind of abilities that yeah. was all invented. And I think, mm. I mean, my God, did they fit so well in this universe? And I just love them so much. And I yeah. think he needs to get more credit for that, you know. And I I, I like that that the, what they work with isn't like a a tech. It's a it's a type of magic. Yeah. So I hope that in this episode they kind of expand on that and this this you know magic realm that this is kind of in. And then later, you know, when we do want to tie it into the MCU with the Avengers and all that stuff, it can go through that Doctor Strange channel, but be be separated. Not you know him and Doctor Strange are doing the same kind of thing. They're totally different yeah. types of magic, you know. It, well, it, what I like too, so the, the rings are actually from space. So it's not oh, just yeah. fully magic, it's also something different. And so it kind of reminds me of, uh, I always like John John's story from the DC side of things, the Martian mm-hmm. Manhunter. Because when you, when you go into his stories, you find out that like Mars has their own society, their own culture and stuff like that. So it'd be cool for this to be, yeah, some like ancient relic on a, another planet. And so mm-hmm. then he's also trying to help out their people and stuff. It's kind of a Green Lantern thing too. Yeah. Um, they can really expand well, on Shang-Chi. And well, his, it, uh, not it doesn't have to be another planet, but these people existed in a different dimension, right? That, I, I they think went in the, the MCU, movie? because of the, the post-credit or the end credit or whatever, was another planet, I think. Oh, but okay. yeah, something like that, right? It could be another dimension. We have a lot yeah. of dimension happening coming forward with the multiverse. But yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Yeah. Speaking of superheroes, a new Batman animated series podcast coming out. Uh, it's going to be an audio drama that continues the story from the original series. So basically going right off the original series. The original Batman, Kevin Conroy, who's a badass, is coming back. Uh, we also have Riddler coming back. He's confirmed to return to the original actor. I'm sure more will join. Audio dramas are, are growing in steam as podcasts are as well. And DC has signed a contract. We talked about this. I think it's like 2019 they signed a contract with Spotify. So Spotify is producing a lot of these things. Are you a fan of the animated series, the old Batman animated series? First, oh, definitely. That okay. was that is what Batman, you know, is. That's his foundation, as far as I'm concerned. All right. Um, how do you think that version of Batman can be translated into the audio form, different than say just making a Batman audio drama? Like, how do you make that unique? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know how it would be unique. I mean, you would hear the stories and the action and suspense behind, yeah. you know, a Batman adventure. It and it would going from tv to an audio drama it's you have to change it obviously you can't just listen to an episode it's got to be made for just listening right um but i, I love listening to audio dramas because they're they're there's a you know i love watching tv and movies and stuff but there's times when you just can't and you're cleaning or driving or whatever but an audio drama be careful when you're driving though it's so engaging sometimes that you forget that oh, you're driving totally totally so, yeah like, pay attention to the road to me but uh, but yeah, it's like there's, sometimes they're just so engaging and such a deep story, especially if you have a good storyteller, uh, you know, narrating it. Uh, so I'm excited. This is this is like a great, you know, chunk of content, good story to to yeah. base a new audio drama on as Batman. I think one of the things that the animated series did so well is making the villains not only just like complex, deep characters, not just like oh, it's a funny clown. They actually made them complex characters. That sometimes were in the right, and sometimes you sided with. Yeah, Riddler, for example, they did talk about how in the new podcast, you're going to be finding out that he's actually developed a little bit more, and he's dealing with some disorders. And mm-hmm. it's like, yes, make the characters like 
kind of relatable. That yeah. one of my favorite episodes, and I think one of the saddest ones, is Robin. So they fight Clayface. Then Robin finds this girl who's lost, and they become like best friends. It's him and this girl, and they're trying to find her dad or something like that. And meanwhile, come to find out at the end, you find out that the girl is actually like a piece of Clayface that was separated. And the dad mm. that she's trying to get to is Clayface. And so, God, it's so sad. So then she's going to rejoin with Clayface and be gone. So this friend that Robin had is now just part of Clayface again and dies. And it's, it's like just a two like... Vi- two oh. Vicks episode. I got yeah. You. <laughs> and then there's another one where like the puppet guy or, or the Peppa girl, whatever one, um, can never be human again. And so you're dealing with yeah. that. And it's like, that's yeah. what I want out of this drama. I want to be able to be like, oh no, poor Joker, you know? Yeah. Which I think we don't well, like, see in any other way. Like we see in the Heath Ledger uh, Batman or Joker that he he kind of shows the brokenness of humanity or society and that, you know, he, he kind of is in the right that, you know, this system that, you know, we think is okay and everything's going good. Yeah. It's like, well, it oppresses these people and it starves those people and it gives all the power and money to these people. And, you know, when the machine works just fine and a, a drug addict is dead in the street, you guys don't care. But when a politician yeah. dies in the street, all of a sudden everyone's on fire. Yeah. And he's like, so I'm going to turn the system upside down and break the wheel. All because and, it's planned. You know, that, that was yeah. his whole thing. It's like, if you guys plan on a soldier dying, it's not as big of a deal as if you plant a little girl dying. And it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, well, the, the soldier is valuable too. Yeah, <laughs> as a person. Yeah. Exactly. So I love that. It gives it, like you're saying, a good perspective of how the villains sometimes are justified or right. And it's cool to dig deeper into that. God. Batman villains are the best villains. That's just how it is. Yeah. Why do you think that is? You think DC writing is just better, even though they don't have the money behind, well, you know... I wouldn't necessarily oh, I say Green Lantern's villains are any better. I wouldn't say that they're any better than anything Marvel has. I think Batman's villains are the best because Batman is not a very powerful hero. It's That's not true. Like he's he more can, relatable. He's just, well, yeah, he's just a human who has sores at the end of the day. He has bruises. And so yeah. his villains, and everything's dark. It's always nighttime in Gotham for some reason. It's poor people. Um, and so I think that there's a level of like, we have to make sure that everybody has motivations to do what they're doing. It's not just like, I want to take over the world, so I'm going to fight the strongest guy on the planet, Superman. It's more yeah. like, you know, like, I want to shake up the system like Joker does, or I want yeah. to rise up a little bit in power like like Falcone, stuff like that. I don't know, man. It's a good thing. I love, I freaking love Batman, though, but it's hard to tell. Yeah, I think you're right. It's like, because he's so grounded, he's so much closer to, to where we are. Yeah. You know, just like Spider-Man, he's, he's you know, kind of closer to our level and, uh, some of the some of the MCU characters, maybe Captain America is a little bit more relatable, I guess. I don't know. But the more power you have, then the more powerful your villains are and the more outside of our realm you get. Yeah. But when you're just like Punisher is a perfect example, just like Batman. Punisher He's is, yeah. Very simple, grounded, you know, makes his own tech kind of is and his villains are, you know, cartel members and you know mafia bosses and stuff like that. So very relatable. Spider-Man is a good example. Like his his villains are more powerful, but Spider-Man is still just like a kid. So like the Peter yeah. Parker side of while Bruce Wayne is this billionaire that has no worries, it feels like yeah. Peter Parker is kind of the weaker side of the two. And so yeah. all his villains are scientists that were trying to usually try to improve humanity, you mm-hmm. know, and then they've lost their way. Or Dr. Octavius is one of the best villains ever, who, yeah. you know, is yeah, trying to create like this better power source and then like, hey, these, you know, these prosthetics will help people who need prosthetics and now let me just put them on my back and now i'm a you know villainous octo octopus guy <laughs> so yeah. you know i can't wait for the new by the way oh yeah so it's this week coming up the 14th we're watching spider-man in imax i can't yes. wait for that we'll definitely be reviewing that right afterwards uh the next day so oh man that's gonna be so great all right last bit of news before we get into a halo review and some geek gift guide uh we're talking about paramount plus is adding new channels so they're going to be adding 18 channels that will be 24-7 streams of different categories. So there's going to be a Star Trek channel. There's going to be an adult animation channel, kids show channels, classic sitcoms channel, and so forth. Now, this is kind of an old school way of thinking of television, right? You just turn on whatever's on, and then you see whatever's on and go with it. Do you think yeah. this has a place in the streaming age? I think so, because so often I don't really want to watch something specific. I just want to have the TV on. Something that I can glance at and, you know, chuckle every once in a while. Lately, it's been Seinfeld on Netflix because Netflix controls the world, it seems like. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, sometimes you just want something on and nothing specific. And it's nice to, to know, like, hey, one of these four channels, like, I love all of Star Trek, so I'll just 
put that on. That'll be my new go-to. Whatever episode's on, cool. I might catch one I haven't seen yet or something, but I don't feel like I need to spend 10 minutes looking for a show to watch that, you know, me and the wife will both like, and then, you know, pick it, sit it down. Finally, once I have it running, okay, now I can go get my food or whatever. Like, you spend so much time trying to figure out what to watch. By the time I'm done figuring out the TV, then my wife's already halfway done with dinner. And it's like, okay, well, I guess we're not going to watch a movie together because now we got to, you know, get ready for bed. You know, it's just, it's nice. I think it'll, I think it'll be, it'll be good. Yeah. Uh, I do like the idea of kind of having something that's on in the background because you're growing up for better or worse. A lot of times you just have the TV on while you're doing mm-hmm. other things. Right. And you're just going through that Nickelodeon lineup. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes always, you yeah. paid attention to Rugrats and sometimes you didn't. And I, I kind of like the idea of just like, yeah, I just got random Star Trek's going on. And then it's like, yeah. oh, this is the one that I really like this one or something like that. Or maybe you didn't know you liked this one or didn't like this one, but you still watch it. Uh, the yeah. classic sitcom ones, I could see me having that on or the adult animation one. Yeah. I, I do like the idea of just having something you can put on when you don't know what to watch or mm-hmm. something that's just kind of the background of our lives um, yeah. with the categories. I think this, it's funny of using this like old mentality could be yeah. a new future. For streaming, yeah, you know. And I, the I, I question like is, the question is, how much ads will they put in it? If they put a lot, that's gonna suck. If they just put one in between each episode, then that's not so bad. I assume none, because you're paying oh. for Paramount. Yeah, that'd be nice too. Hopefully, so it'll just be hopefully straight none. up nonstop, nonstop Star Trek, which would be that'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's the definitely the one. So, like the Star Trek one, they said it'll be like it'll have Discovery, and it'll have some of the Picard and stuff like that. But then it'll also, you know, Next Generation. So you'll have an episode of Discovery, random episode mm-hmm. of Discovery, then an episode of Next Generation, episode of Voyager, episode of Picard. Yeah. And so it'd be interesting for shows like that that have... Um, Such a ha- wide range. Well, so, well, yeah, you have like, Next Generation doesn't necessarily have a season-wide storyline, while Picard definitely does. You know, so it'll yeah. be interesting to see how that goes. And I hope that they kind of, at some point, kind of be like, hey, tonight Picard is on at 7 p.m. Like, actually have set mm-hmm. times for certain ones. So we yeah. kind of bring back that magic too, because it's like, hey, be home by seven so we can watch Picard. Yeah, you yeah. can just turn on Picard, but that'd be kind of cool. I like that idea. You know, I don't know if you know this, but locally, for a while, I was watching this one channel when I would go to bed, because uh, I used to, I used to go to bed a little bit later. Now I wake up earlier and with the baby. Anyways, yeah. uh, <laughs> but there's a channel fifty eight point two in our area that plays Star Trek all night. So it starts. The first episode is uh, the original series. And it's just whatever episode they're in, in order, I guess. But an episode of the original series, then uh, Next Generation, then Deep Space Nine, and it, you know, from like 8 o'clock until midnight or something like that, they're playing, or maybe longer than that, maybe it's a one, they're playing an episode from each of the series. The genius uh, idea. All the way to Enterprise, yeah. So I was like, man, that's that's cool. So for a while, I would just put that on. So I might do that from time to time, just put on the Star Trek uh, channel and just let it run, just to at least give them my support. And then yeah. if I have time to watch it, then cool. But I think that'll also be good for someone like Squeaks, who is getting into Star Trek, really likes it, but hasn't seen a lot of it still. I mean, even I haven't seen certain stuff, but um, that way you kind of get a taste of the other things and see what you like and get to know characters little by little and stuff like that. Yeah. For myself, I think adult animation is the one I'd have on the most, just because I do watch a lot of Bob's Burgers and Family Guy and Simpsons. And um, I think that would be really cool. Actually, if it came to Hulu, that's the one that has all those things I want. I think they said for this one, it would have like a lot of Beavis and Butthead, <laughs> stuff like that, which yeah. I'm not necessarily a big fan of that. But, but yeah, I think it's really And then Daniel, no doubt, would have classic sitcoms because he loves mm-hmm. like those old sitcoms, rock, you know, Roseanne and, you know, different strokes and stuff like that. <laughs> so yeah. he'd probably have that playing in the background. But I just thought that was an interesting idea. So I want to tell you real quick, I was listening to another podcast. Uh, it's called the Daily Star Trek News Podcast. Yeah. And they actually are just a weekly episode now, but their website has daily news and stuff. But Allison Pitt on that was explaining how um, pretty much Netflix funded Paramount Plus. Netflix oh, you break this uh, down. It inadvertently, yeah, they inadvertently created competition for themselves. So uh, I guess Netflix funded the first season of Discovery. And so they, they wanted, you know, a, a new Star Trek show and there's a little bit of buzz behind creating a new Star Trek. So... They put the money down to have it made. Paramount made it, and it was on Netflix originally. And once that did so good, that just it was it was on fire. Uh, that big old chunk of money that they got from that Paramount was able to uh, put into I don't know if they put it directly into to expanding Paramount Plus or because they had Paramount Plus was only to watch some shows in like foreign countries. It's real small. Yeah. Well, I know uh, that Star Trek Discovery is still on Netflix in foreign countries too, in some foreign yeah. countries. Yeah. 
that rights are and so ones. yeah so I, I can't remember if they if they put all the money into that or if it was they they invested it into the second season and then the returns from that however it went but the the success of discovery that was funded by netflix to start with is what led to paramount's uh just explosion in the star trek realm and how successful they're doing right now so all the current shows that we have now that started after discovery are thanks to netflix giving them a shot at making that uh, first season of discovery yeah so sucks for netflix because they created more competition but i'm so happy they took that risk because now we got a lot of good star trek coming out that's cool it's yeah. amazing there's so many times where that's happened where like uh what was it borders help fund amazon yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, borders is out of business and amazon's unstoppable and they don't sell books hardly at all anymore <laughs> yeah that's true i mean went from being a bookstore taking out the other bookstore to being an online everything store yeah which i'm sure i have stuff coming in today from them you know you know how it is all right but if you want to hear more about the story because i know i'm terrible at explaining how that all worked out but uh, the daily star trek news.com they have a website they have a podcast they have priority one podcast so they explain that story in in one of them for sure are they just part from... of the gene ronberry network yeah yes okay so uh, just to explain that a little bit too what that is in case we have some star trek yeah. fans there so a more the gene roddenberry podcast network or not not gene the roddenberry podcast oh. network uh is a like conglomerate of a bunch of different star trek uh podcasts they have one called uh, Mission Log, where they just review episodes like we do on Trek Freaks. Um, there's Priority One, where it's just uh, like news, but it's kind of a little bit of everything. Kind of like what we do here, too. Um, and then the Daily Star Trek News is specifically just Star Trek News. Uh, it used to be daily, but they just changed that recently to be once a week. Uh, but they post their, their news daily. Anyways, they got a lot of good channels. They have one feed if you want to just listen to whatever they post and then they have separate feeds for the different channels so if you want to follow just i did not know that that's literally our business model in january <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what we're doing in january it, so it, it seems to be pretty good i just went to their their like master feed and started listening to stuff and i was like okay well you know these are good but i don't really care for some of these like i eh, just but i wanted to see what else they had and then that's where i, f I found i remember hearing her mention priority one and so finally I found that. I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to Priority Ones, but I don't really want to listen to the mission logs. Uh, we're, we're doing that ourselves anyways. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of the other stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. They have a, a bunch of different podcasts uh, all going together. Yeah, that's, that's good. I, it, you know, normally we don't suggest too many other podcasts just because, you know, that's... Yeah. Listen to Geek us Freaks first. first. Let's check out Trek yeah. Freaks if you want Star Trek stuff. And then after you're done right. with Trek Freaks, then let's Pushing buttons. Yeah, we got a bunch of channels here. But there's guys. a lot of good. I mean, the podcasting is a growing thing, and and like, I mean, we can't stop talking about it's always sunny in Philadelphia podcast around here. Oh yeah, those guys are hilarious, and they fans. don't have to do anything tricky or hard. No. They just, I mean, maybe they have some production quality. Somebody's doing good editing, but uh, they're just, I mean, they're just them. They're just talking. They're just being funny, talking about the episode, and yeah. analyzing, you know, day to day life. So I especially like how they talk about how society and how they make the show has changed over the years because you see that reflected in the newer episodes too of like hey yeah. we we don't do this anymore we don't do those kinds of jokes anymore because they're not acceptable and we now learn that and yeah. so it's just it's amazing to see how the mind goes in creating content over the years yeah you know? and how how society kind of evolves you know and so does the content creator afterwards you know yeah with it yeah so pretty cool check out you know hey we're not jealous check out other podcasts too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We allow you to explore. All right, so we had the Halo campaign recently come out this week, and I've been playing a lot of that, streaming a lot of that. Uh, I will say I am freaking in love with it. I feel like this has brought back the Halo that I love. It's only improved on it. I felt like they kind of lost their way in five, but this is a good reformation of it. It has a long intro that feels like an old school Halo, and then it has an open world that opens up to where you explore the world a lot more. Um, combat's very tight. They use a grapple system now, too, to where you can, like, grapple two enemies or, or, or grapple yourself around the landscape, which feels... It increases mobility, which is a good way to make any game better. Um, all the shooting is as tight as you would expect out of a Halo. Uh, one of the things, and I mentioned it during the stream, is you have that skybox back, and it's amazing how much that means to me. Where when you look up, you see the ring continuously circle over you. Because when I was younger, and even as limited as the original Xbox was, seeing that ring continue over you felt like, man, this place is so huge. And yeah, it kind of that scaling. Yeah. yeah. You feel like 
I'm I'm in space and I'm on this like giant, you know, planet and I can though you have a very narrow path in those early games that you can't really go too far, yeah. but you feel like I could spend all day just wandering across this massive planet because I see that ring goes, you know, off into the distance so far. Yeah. And it's yeah. just so cool. And then, I mean, it was almost emotional hearing that music again, just that like, and they do a really good job. I know uh, Zelda's very good at this too, Where you're doing something and it's a new music, but then all of a sudden you hear that, you hear that classic guitar kick in a little bit, just a little oh, bit yeah. in the background. You're like, Oh, there she is. There's my halo two guitar. And um, it's just, it's been a lot, a lot of fun so far. I'm enjoying quite a bit. Uh, so is, how structured is the story? Are you able, like you said, it's kind of open world. Are you able to just kind of go get lost and play around or do you uh, still kind of need to stay? To a degree. It's uh, far more open world than it was before. It is quite a bit more open world. I, I will say the story I think is actually a little bit more simplified in a, in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. It's not so much like, like the flood, like like it was back with the flood. The flood storyline oh, was yeah. very simple. Like, hey, we need to get this halo firing so we can destroy the flood. The halos were to destroy the flood. There are zombies. Yada yada yada. It was pretty simple, right? And then yeah. we had the four, five, the the four and five storyline that was kind of just this messy situation of like, well, the, yeah, the covenant's here too, and, and we have the brutes getting involved, and there's the the forsaken and and Cortana's you know losing her programming. And in this yeah. one, we're kind of resetting. It almost feels not like a soft reboot, but like, let's get back on track. And yeah. the Forsaken are out there, but they're not necessarily what we're worried about right now. Right now, we're worried about this almost new threat, which is the Brutes, the Banished specifically. The, 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 they have elites working for them, so we have the Covenant you know, with elite forces there. So you have some old fo- foes return, which is great. Um, but it feels like it's pretty simple. It's like, hey... They did a really good job in the opening, which was about two hours of gameplay, which was basically the opening, setting up this thing where it's like you and this one guy who was unfortunately kind of along for the ride, uh, stuck on this halo, and you know that you have to stop this halo from firing, or they'll fire it at Earth and destroy Earth. Hmm. That's basically it. There's a side thing where you're trying to figure out what happened to Cortana. You have, um, they call her Weapon. She's like your Cortana replacement. You have her, hmm. which is from Halo 5. 5? Yeah, or 4. Yeah, 5, I think it's 5. But yeah, in general, it's kind of like a back to the basics, and I think it really thrives from that. Yeah. Did you did you finish the campaign? Not yet. No, already? not yet. Oh, okay. I'm trying to stream. I, I have already slipped up. My idea was I'm going to stream all the campaign so that everybody can watch the campaign along with me. But I don't stream enough, and I have to play some more Halo. So yeah. <laughs> right. So Jump yeah, there's gonna be some gas for you watching on the stream. Sorry about that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, have you seen anything that you would change already in the game? Uh, the talent tree is very cool. So there's a talent tree that's new to Halo. Right. It gives kind of an RPG feel, where like I can level up the grappling hook. Like for example, I love the grappling hook to where I could use it more often, and when I land, it shocks people around it. And when I grapple right. somebody, it shocks them for a little bit, so I can have a little more time. I wish there was options to that because I basically just level it up. I wish I had to choose between shock somebody or pulls them towards me or, you know, yeah. like make a it towards choice, a variety. It? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that they're doing that is very good, but it definitely changes how Halo feels. Ammo is a lot harder to find. And so oh, okay. I'm actually worried about spraying and not caring. So you have to kind of pay attention. It's very good. And I think it's an improvement. But for those who are Halo truists, you might feel like, oh man, this feels more like a Resident Evil. <laughs> I have to worry about my ammo. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, that's cool. I I, I know we didn't have much uh, like struggle to survive in previous Halos. Yeah, it was always just run and gun. You're always finding, you know. Well, that's a lie. I would always play like easy or normal st- standard settings, not uh, whatever hard or expert because I don't like dying constantly. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, when I would play it, it wouldn't be too hard to find the next gun or sniper rifle or sword or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that adds another element. Is there anything else that you have to do to survive? Is there no, I mean, you're just running low on ammo or is there like, you know, you have to re- restore your health or does it automatically generate it's restored, like it It's to? the shield system like, like they, okay. they've, they've always done. Uh, <laughs> the one thing I definitely want is co-op. Co-op's not coming in until March. So like you and yeah. me, you normally play the campaign together. And yeah. unfortunately, we can't do that because with everything else, they just couldn't release co-op at the same time. So once it comes in March, I'm sure I'll play it, re- replay it with you. Again, it's part of Game Pass. Yeah. So basically, 
for ten dollars one month you could play all of Halo, the brand new game. Game Pass yeah. is such a good deal. Um, That's crazy. And then we'll we'll play it again. Then, yeah. Yeah, well, it sounds like a good game. I'm glad they got the audio down because I remember that specifically from the old games that the the music in the background was just the best part of the game. Sometimes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I had that as a ringtone on one of my old phones. Oh, I'm long sure. ago. Oh, that guitar <laughs> man when it rips in is like oh beautiful. It's so good. Yeah. I would give um I'm gonna give Halo. I'm gonna give it a. Uh, I mean, I hate to just give it a solid A, but. I can't see a reason to not give it an A. There are things yeah. to improve as well. I'm not going to give it an A+. I'm giving it an A. Yeah, Halo, Halo Infinite is that good. Yeah, totally. Nice. Give me it an A. So what is the infinite part of it? Is this uh, it's like the a... open world idea. Oh, the okay. Yeah. All right, so for those of you listening that have, uh, you know, geek, significant others, loved ones, uh, kids, or, you know, your uncle is a major geek, and it's almost Christmas. This is the last minute shoppers. If you can't figure out what to get them, we wanted to suggest some ideas as geeks ourselves, right? Yep. I got some good ones here. Ooh, okay. Uh, well, so I, I wrote down, I don't know, I don't know how far you went on your list, but I wrote down some ideas of what I would like as a geek and then other kind of ideas of what people could get for like the generic geek or, or, you know, somebody else in their family. Uh, is that what you did too? Mine's kind of a mix of everything. Uh, I have six oh. things here. I didn't necessarily do top five, but they're, oh, you know, okay. so not in any particular order, basically is what I'm saying. All right. Well, what do you got? Go ahead. Okay. So I'm going to start off with the thing I actually really want for myself. So if I don't get it for Christmas, I'm buying it for myself. Uh-huh. I'm getting a Lego helmet. So there are helmets <laughs> you can make out of Lego. And the truth of the matter is like, if we're being honest with ourselves, you want to play with Legos and you always yeah. hear the whole thing of like, no, oh, that's for kids or yada, yada, yada. I'm tired of that. I want to play some freaking Legos and these helmets are cool because you build the helmet and then you can put it on your shelf and it's like, Hey, that's Batman's helmet, which is the one in particular I want to get first or Iron Man's helmet or Stormtrooper or Darth Vader or the gauntlet for, for Thanos, all kinds of cool stuff. And so these things are like 50 bucks, you know, so you're looking at that price range. Um, and then they come with like, people will get lighting for them and stuff like that when they have them on display, but they have them for all the different things. And I like the idea of giving something. I have some other stuff too, where it's like, kind of a toy to be like hey return to your childhood a little bit and legos is a cool way to have a collectible and a toy you know so yeah these lego helmets are pretty cool see i have a uh a struggle with legos i like playing with legos building stuff creatively with legos i don't like how legos have totally kind of in my eyes changed their business model to just be sending out like sets where if you want to build a millennium falcon here's the 2536 pieces put them together in this exact order and you will have a model. Yeah. It's like, well, I could just buy a toy Millennium Falcon and put it on my shelf. You know, I don't, it, it, I get there's a fun in building it the way they tell you to for some people. To me, I would rather have just a, you know, trash can full of a bunch of Lego pieces and just try to build something creatively and the fun of, you know, trying pieces and, ah, oh, this doesn't look right. Take it apart and try it again versus following instructions with all these very unique made pieces for that model. Well, I think that that's one thing I actually like about that is I feel like Lego has divided into two categories. So you have Lego mm-hmm. fans that are that way and Lego fans that like to follow the instructions. And it reminds yeah. me back in the day, our dad used to actually do this a lot, uh, is build model cars. You know, they mm-hmm. get the model cars with the paint and, and the glue. It feels like it's yeah. basically capturing that audience again, which I do like yeah. that. All right. What, is, what do you got on your list here? Oh, oh so uh, for me... Uh, one thing I put on here is, is pretty much anything Star Trek, um, you know, big into Star Trek, exploring all the other series that I didn't watch when I was younger, love, um, all the new ones, Picard and Prodigy and, uh, Discovery, and I can't wait for, uh, Bold New World, Strange New Worlds to come Strange out. Strange New Worlds, yeah. me too. Yeah. Uh, but so like, you know, I have like Star Trek mugs and shirts and stuff like that, but more Star Trek merch is always good or the DVDs and things like that, but anything Star Trek in general for me. Yeah. Um, another one on my list is I like the nostalgic toys. It's always good for any geek to get a toy that they remember as a child. Uh, yeah. By nature, you know, we're, we're a bit of a collectors and stuff like that. And obviously as a geek, you, there's also by nature a level of nostalgia to all geekdom, right? Because, yeah. oh, I'm, I love Superman. Well, it's because you grew up on Superman. Uh, stuff yeah. like that. So, <clears throat> so get them some like almost ironic gifts that are straight up nostalgic toys. Tamagotchis. They're a big thing right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or how about this? A Richter set. You know, like an old yeah. school, you know, and oh, give man. it to them and, and just see, 
you never know like yeah. you're like yeah i'm gonna screw around with the stricter set or something like that or this tamagotchi yeah. I'll, I'll toy around with it and it's just kind of a fun almost again it's like that capturing the childhood thing and it's one of those things like that the lego helmet thing too they probably wouldn't buy for themselves yeah but they do kind of like the idea or if you're yeah. like maybe even an old school version this isn't necessarily geeky a good yo-yo you know that kind of thing yeah. where it's just like yeah you think it's for kids yeah you wouldn't buy it for yourself but you would play with a yo-yo if you had it in your hands right now you know right. that kind of thing a rubik's cube something like that it's just one of those yeah. things and if you're if you're willing to spend a little bit of money uh to get something that kind of touches on the legos too that that lego game the, the display that uh our cousin diana has that is the mario where oh yeah it, it, it was online too yeah yeah you make nes little game where you can kind of scroll side to side and it's like that was really cool i saw it at her house the other day that's a pricey and one that's 250 bucks for that one that one's pretty pricey yeah 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 so that's yeah <laughs> if you're willing to spend a lot on a geek that's a pretty yeah. cool thing um let's see oh so so for me too uh comic trades like i don't Ooh, I, I don't like idea. to get a, yeah i don't like to get a single comic because i don't want to i hate to get a story in the middle of a story. I don't want to get like an episode, one episode of a show and it's like, oh, that's a really good show, but did this just spoil something and how does, how do I get from beginning to end? But if you could buy a trade is the set of comics or a book of, of all the comic story in one, then is all you got to know is the kind of genre they like. If they like, you know, Marvel stuff or space stuff or, you know, Old West or whatever, then you can get a comic trade of a series that's based in that and, you know, if they haven't heard of it, great. If they have Even heard better, of it, really, yeah, yeah. But hopefully, hopefully it's something they don't already have all of or something, but um, it's a safe bet to get someone. It, it, either way, I'm sure they'll enjoy reading this comic story from beginning to yeah. end. So a couple of good suggestions out there. Saga. We always mm -hmm. suggest Saga. Mouse. That, so, there's, I guess I heard behind you. <laughs> I was also, I've been noticing the Captain Janeway. Uh, you know, we're on December now in your calendar. Oh, That's yeah. a really great yeah. picture, Captain Janeway. Um, yeah. Saga is really good. Mouse, which is the, uh, it's a Holocaust story. I mean, it's not great for the holidays, but um, is a wonderful, like critically acclaimed story that's done in, in audio or in um, the books. Flashpoint, one of my all time favorites. And you can get those entire trades for like 20 bucks. They're great gift. That's a really good idea, John. Yeah. What else right. you got? Mine is a year's sub to Curiosity Stream. Okay. So for one year, it's only 15 bucks very cheap oh wow and what it is it's a streaming service of just documentaries and these documentaries mm -hmm. involve outer space animals engineering what were some of the other ones on there basically like that so it's kind of those things again it's one of those things where a person wouldn't buy for themselves but once they own they might check it out and it might become a new fan of it and for 15 dollars a year i mean you can't pass that up yeah um, that's cheap and it's got all kinds of very cool different uh documentaries that kind of fit every corner of geekdom you know, like mm -hmm. those engineering ones, I think are so so fascinating. I'm not necessarily an engineer or something like that, but I do like to see that stuff. The space travel ones are especially cool, and they're all very well done. And uh, Ed, to to make this thing extra cool, make a fake email or make an email account for this thing and make it like um, Steph or uh, you know, like yeah, like do like Stephanie's Christmas gift at gmail dot com, yeah, or something like that, or or uh, uh, you know, Merry Christmas, Jake at gmail.com or something like that and then yeah. you know and then that way they they remember that this is a christmas gift all year long when they're logged into it and i just think yeah. that's a little extra fun curiosity stream it's, it's a really cool streaming service that not a lot of people know about even but yeah. um they're a sponsor of, of like my new favorite youtube channel so <laughs> i see it often <laughs> that sounds that sounds cool quick shout out to panda who uh, you know i know you're listening uh, he suggested the mustard youtube channel which is all about like different boats and planes i was telling about telling you about it last yeah. night um, yeah. they're sponsored by <laughs> curiosity stream <laughs> which reminds me of that so, yeah. nice all right so uh like i said star trek i like all things avatar but uh for like a general geek if if you are trying to buy for a geek that um is a gamer then i think for most gamers a safe bet is a steam gift card yeah if you're if you don't know what to get them and it's last minute you can get that in most stores these days the steam gift card Steam is the you know, platform where you can buy and play video games on your computer. Um, so if they're a gamer and you know they play games a lot and you know they want to get some new ones or whatever, you can even get different different merch from Steam. Um, but yeah, you can get, get a gift card and they'll be able to play whatever they want. Yeah, that's a good idea. Lord knows I burned through those. 
um okay my next one how many more do you have by the way just so i know where we're at uh like two more two more okay uh my next one are framed blueprints so if they are a star wars fan what you do is you get them a couple framed (laughs) blueprints of one death star one the millennium falcon these things are Mm -hmm. fascinating they make really good pieces on the wall if you see over us in the studio here if you ever watch the stream uh, we have framed Nintendo controllers, uh, blueprints, mm-hmm. or pat- these are patent, actually, these are patent submissions, but they are the same situation um, where they break down the item. It's really cool, and it's sometimes very neat to see, like, oh, wow, I didn't know that these little parts were in this, or those who do, like, the, the, like, the TIE Fighters will break down, like, these are where these manifolds are and stuff like that you wouldn't normally know unless you go deep dive, and they're just really cool pieces. And that's Star Wars, but they have them for everything. There's also, like, Patent designs for, you know, controllers, or there's like, hey, here's Rivendell, but like the architecture design of Rivendell from Lord of the Rings. You can get these things, and it's just a, a little more appreciation for the fans. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, all right, so another very kind of simple, generic thing that I have on here you can get for any geek, you just got to know a little bit about what they geek out about, is Funko Pops. Yeah. Behind you is a massive collection. I got a few, but... Yeah, uh, I try not. I try not to spend money on them. I like get them, getting them as gifts, but I try not to spend money on them because to me, there's some you know factory overseas somewhere that's just making. You know, they spend ten <laughs> cents to make it and they sell it for ten bucks. They're doing really good, but they're doing really good. They get the rights to great content. They make their own designs for most of their characters. Like it's just really awesome designs. So and they make it for everything. There's oh, yeah. anything you like. You know, there's any like movie or, or cartoon or whatever. There's probably a Funko Pop for it already. Yeah. Uh, so if you know the kind of stuff they like, if they like, you know, Rick and Morty, there's Rick and Morty Funko Pops. They like Star Wars. There's plenty of them. Avatar. <laughs> they're all over the yeah. Just just look behind Frank. They're all over the place. <laughs> Everything you just named, I was like, there's Rick. Yeah. There's Star Wars. I, there's Aang oh, right there. <laughs> you have the full Gargoyles collection. My right goodness. Yeah. Ah, oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah. Man. All right. All right. Uh, what else you got? Anything? Um, okay. I've got a couple more, but I'll, I'll save some of them. Uh, a subscription to a magazine. And again, oh. it's best if it's a magazine they would never pick up on. Uh, you know, that's what Wired is my biggest suggestion. Wired is a fascinating magazine um, that'll have like the latest things coming out. Uh, popular Mechanic. I could always pick up a Popular Mechanic and find something interesting in a Popular Mechanic. Mm. They'll have weird spaceships that never existed and stuff like that. And just that way, again, it's a gift that, first off, lasts all year. And mm-hmm. they're reminded that it's a gift that you gave them once a month. And if you look at Amazon, a lot of times right now, they'll have these sales where it's like $5 for a year subscription. It's very cheap. And so, and if they like it, they could resub. You don't have to resub for them. They'll do that through the magazine itself. But, you know, it's something that you wouldn't think about it until all of a sudden, like, yeah, every year I get a cool magazine. Game Informer is $14 for a year. And then, you, you know, it's a magazine that talks about video games and stuff like that every year. So there's always something cool out there. And they're yeah. they're easy and they're you can get them literally on Christmas Eve and have it in time basically. Yeah. Nice. Uh, my next one is it's hard to do last minute. I know we're really close to Christmas already, uh, but is is pretty much something custom. It yep. is very broad, but a custom shirt or like a framed item, taking something that they like and adding personal elements to it. Uh, but like if they like a specific Pokemon card was one idea yep you can get it you can just order it online buy it you know from somewhere for a lot of money probably right now and uh have it framed and put on their wall yeah but you can also online find the original graphics and get it blown up somewhere you know enlarged and printed and framed of just a you know the image of the card Mm -hmm. and you know if you want to tweak it put their name in it or something like that you can but just having the you know the original Charizard is real iconic. Having that or Mewtwo or something like that, a big print of it on their wall is cute, kind of geek, uh, you know, art or decorations in the house. I think, I think is a cool one. But also you know custom shirts or mugs or anything like that. You know, if you, you like, I have a, a Star Trek uh, drinking glass that has the the Star Trek insignia in it and just has my name on it. And it's like eh, that probably wasn't too hard for someone to make. I don't know how. I'm sure it probably cost an arm and a leg really because custom stuff is sometimes expensive. Um, but it's just kind of fun now, you know, every once in a while when someone's coming over, I'll drink out of my, my Star Trek cup just to feel special. Yeah. That's a really good one too. Um, like I specifically, I'm looking for, uh, Thor, I think it's 63 or whatever. It's the first appearance of Beta Ray Bill that I've tried to find. Mm -hmm. So you'll find it, you'll find it for very expensive, but like if there's a certain comic 
character they really like. And especially if it's an offside one, if it's not like if it's Superman, right, then, you know, but if it's somebody really unique like Beta Ray Bill, that comic book itself is sometimes not very expensive. So you get that first mm -hmm. issue and then you get that framed as a really cool gift, you know, you know, that it's a little bit of you knowing them and everything like that. Yeah. My last cool. one, custom viewfinder. So you guys remember those viewfinders you put your eyes in and you press the little clicker on the side to see different things? Oh, yeah. They have custom ones of those now where you can get pictures of you guys at parties or just hanging out, or you can have really good fun with it where you like use Photoshop or have a Photoshop friend, which I'm usually that Photoshop friend, that'll put them in the middle of a Star Wars scene, middle of a Star Trek <laughs> scene. Oh, they're at the Council of Rivendell. Oh, they're over here. You know, you can have fun with it too. Or just, yeah, just fit, you know, pictures of you guys hanging out all on a viewfinder. And you could get a couple of the slides, or you could just do one slide and then give them a couple more slides as the years go on for their viewfinder. That's so funny that that's a thing. Oh, yeah. That's like so old school. I mean, we have smartphones and smart picture frames. You can put whatever pictures you want that just change throughout the day and everything's on the cloud. And here people want to use the old school, you know, big chunk of plastic with a, a reel of, you know, film in it, squares of film. Yeah. That is, a, that is funny. Yeah. They're pretty neat. All yeah. right. That's, yeah, that's, that's cool. the end of my list though. Yeah. I think that's all I had too. All right. That's some good uh, ideas there, honestly, guys. I mean, that's, I kind of wish that we had done this earlier so that I could use a lot of these ideas. For my, I already <laughs> bought all the gifts I need for everybody. I'm like, man, that's, that was a good idea. I know. I start, I try to start shopping super early. So maybe next time we do this in the summer. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Get everyone out of time. All right, guys, it's July. Let's start talking about next Christmas. <laughs> all right, guys, that is it for us this week. We hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, we have, let's see, we have Star Trek, we have Trek Freaks coming out on uh, Friday and then another um, Geek Freaks coming out next week. We're going to have, it'll basically be just the two episodes for now going forward. And then the first two weeks of January, we'll talk about this later on as well. The first two weeks of January, we're going to have nothing coming out because we have, uh, first off, taking a break, which is always great. But we're going to be doing a lot of work behind the scenes for a lot of cool stuff coming to you guys next year. So that's all on the way. That's it. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Geek Freaks podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Geek Freaks Pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. We have our Patreon and a store. All those links are in the description. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>